Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Now, it's Positively Ernie Extra, New York's TV legend and 77 WABC radio talk host with positive news and interviews to inform and inspire you. Now, here's Ernie Anastas. Okay, thanks, and hi, everybody. Here I am with another great show. I'm Ernie Anastas, and let's talk about how to get over social anxiety. Oh, this is a very timely issue. Social anxiety has been around for a long time. You know that. But if you feel a little out of practice socializing after the last few years of social distancing, well, you know what? You're not alone. A lot of people feel more anxious than usual because of some new and very different social changes, including post-COVID. Well, we're going to tell you about a great thing today. You're going to love this show. I've got a fabulous guest who's going to answer a lot of your questions and mine as well. I want you to say hi to Dr. Chloe Carmichael. Hi, Chloe. Hi, Ernie. It's great to be with you. Good to have you here. You know, you do so many things. You're a noted psychologist and an author of something called Nervous Energy. That's quite a book, isn't it? You've had great success with it. Well, thank you. Yes. The idea there with Nervous Energy, Harness the Power of Your Anxiety, is that, so for example, with people that have social anxiety, Mm. they can learn how to channel that into using it to stimulate social behaviors. Well, how do you help people to sort of uh, brush up on, on these social skills that we're talking about? If you're feeling a little awkward, especially after the separation, you know, with, with the whole pandemic thing going on, how do you deal with that, Chloe? Sure. Well, I think one of the things that people struggle with the most is actually small talk. I think <laughs> sometimes, you know, they once they're in a conversation with someone, they're fine, but it's just getting there that's the hard part. So if you're going to a party or, you know, a social situation, sometimes I encourage people to think of five mm. topics in advance okay. that are good little small talk topics. Okay, what you know, would that be, be like? Anything, yeah, so it could be anything from, you know, what, say, major holidays are coming up. So we might say, oh, you know, 4th of July is coming. Yeah. You know, what's happening there for you? Mm-hmm. Or maybe one or two things that have happened in your personal life, like right. maybe someone recently graduated from college or something. Sure. Or you can also think in that list of five topics of a couple things that you know have happened in the lives of the people that you'll be visiting mm. with. So you can say, oh, you know, by the way, how was your trip to mm-hmm. Colorado that oh. you took? You know, but just the idea is that you come up with five things in advance, because yeah. if you wait till you're right there in the spot, it can be harder to think of things sure. because then you're kind of more nervous. Yeah, it's like it's like doing a little homework, right, before you go somewhere. I remember talking to somebody and they said, you know, one of the best things is ask people questions. Instead of them asking you if you feel uncomfortable, ask them because people love to talk about themselves easily. Yes. And questions that start with the words why and how Mm. are really good ones. Because if you say questions like, you know, what or when, Mm -hmm. it invites short answers. But if you say, oh, well, how did you choose that place for your vacation? Mm -hmm. Or, you know... Why Why did you decide to go into such and such field? Right. And it really invites people to tell a story. Yeah, that's pretty basic. You know, it's like in journalism, you know, you say who, what, when, where, why, and sometimes when.
when uh, or how. And, and I think that it's the same kind of principle. It's just asking people questions. But I think even with that, there are a lot of people that say, well, you know what? Uh, I, I'm, I'm not comfortable in general. But now with the lockdown, uh, you know, we were stuck at home, couldn't go out. All that social distancing, we were afraid to, to talk to one another, to touch each other, even, even hold our own mail. You remember all of that? We were worried about it being contaminated. It was mm-hmm. weird, but it contributed to this social anxiety that many people are still feeling today. How do you get over that? Well, one of the things that can be helpful is to retrain your brain to start scanning for signs of acceptance rather than signs of threat. Because as you pointed out, we were uh, a little over-conditioned mm-hmm. <laughs> to oh, be yeah. thinking about threat. So for example, if you walk into a room or even into a grocery store, just, mm-hmm. you know, anywhere, you can ask yourself, challenge yourself to look for five signs of social acceptance. And mm. that could be anything from eye contact that someone makes with you right. or a friendly smile or just any acknowledgement of you in a friendly way. Mm. And that way, when your brain is looking for those things, it'll start registering those things as opposed to the anxious monologue that a lot of people have sure. as their automatic thought. Mm-hmm. You instead challenge yourself a little riddle to look for uh, five signs of social acceptance or connection. Yeah. And as a little hint, it can help mm-hmm. to throw them out yourself because people will return those. So when you start you know, putting on a friendly smile mm-hmm. or doing a little oh, eye yeah. contact or even grooming yourself, sure. grooming really went out the window during mm-hmm. COVID. Mm-hmm. And when we when we brush our hair and we put on a nice blouse yep. or whatever, mm-hmm. that tells people around you that you're actually interested in the impression yeah. and the connection that you exactly. Could make. It's more inviting that way, you know, that you're looking mm-hmm. good, you're feeling good. L- let me share a, a story with you and and probably our listeners as well. Covering the news, you know, for so many years, and I've interviewed everybody you can imagine, uh, celebrities, uh, strong newsmakers, all of these people. And many times, you know, I, I would be confronted with someone who was a big figure. And I, I developed the habit a long time ago of imagining whoever it was as a child. I would walk into a room to sit down for the interview, and I would look at this president, and I would say, you know what? This person was a baby once and was held yeah. by their mom and walked around at two and three and four and five years old and played with their toys. And I think of that person as a child and it reduces everyone down to that level. And all of a sudden, I'm like really relaxed. And I never think about them as being, you know, whoever they are. And it helped me a lot. It's a visual. I love that, Ernie, yeah. because I've actually wondered that about you at different mm. times when, you know, you've obviously interviewed so many incredibly high profile people. Sure. And I've asked myself, how does Ernie just stay himself and stay grounded and mm-hmm. natural. And now I know the secret. That's, that's I'm going part to of give the it secret. a try. That's part of the secret. You know, feeling, you know, feeling that everybody is the same. Uh, the minute we start thinking that somebody is so different, you know, so much better than we are. And that's the word for you, Chloe. When people start thinking that other people are better, okay, how do you deal with that? You have so many clients. How do you help them out? Well, you know, it it is an interesting one because as you pointed out, someone who, you know, thinks that they're better than other people, it can be hard to make a connection with someone like that. And I actually have a variation on the the little technique that you just described. I love what you described and I'm going to try it. (laughs) Mine is so slightly different. So if I'm speaking to someone who is very prickly, whether because they think they're better than other people or maybe they just, you know, 
have a personality issue. One of the things I do is I imagine that person as a little child being picked on on the playground. And that always stirs up my sympathy and my compassion for that person. And it helps me to just soften and keep trying to find ways Mm -hmm. to reach the person. Now, I will say for your listeners, because when I'm doing that, oftentimes it's because of my job as a psychologist, I need to make rapport and reach this person. And your listeners might try that. But if they have someone in their life that's truly just, um, you know, Mm -hmm. difficult to get along with, not very nice to people, et cetera, Sometimes the best thing we can do for that person Mm -hmm. is actually to distance ourselves so that that person starts to realize that they're pushing people away. So Mm. I don't want people to feel as if they have to always bend over backwards to accommodate someone who's maybe not treating them very well. Interesting. Yeah, I I like that a lot. Good advice. And, you know, in general, when you start thinking about how people feel, uh, it's usually about the lack of self-confidence. And just to focus on that again, I think people feel that, you know, they need to uh, appreciate themselves more to feel more confident in their spirit and their personality. Unless, you know, uh, someone says something really terrible to them, how do they answer back? I mean, you know, how do they deal with something like that? How do they deal again with trying to find a way to say, um, I can fit into this situation, uh, I belong here, I have something to contribute, and I want to relax and feel comfortable? Yeah, that's a great point. Sometimes we actually accidentally, we send off antisocial signals Mm. because we're, you know, anticipating rejection or not feeling good about ourselves. And so there's a couple of things that you can do. One thing is to create a little mental highlight reel of, say, three of your favorite times where you have felt loved and accepted and appreciated by people. Mm. And if you replay that in your brain, it just helps you to get into that state of mind of feeling loved and accepted. The good good news is is that when we play little mental videos, there's a part of our brain that actually experiences it as real. And we actually do tend to put out what we feel we're receiving. So if you can trick yourself into, quote, receiving some acceptance through a little video of some of your most warm and friendly moments, then that can help. Another thing that you can do is to identify an ally. So say that you're going to a party and you know Mm -hmm. that you come across as cold because you're just actually nervous, maybe choose one or two people at the party that you know are friendly and then really connect with those people Mm -hmm. so that others at the party can see and notice you as a friendly person. Even if it's the waiter, just have a good laugh with the waiter. Right, circulate a little bit, you know, get involved. I I also want to talk a little bit more about, you know, the whole post-COVID thing, because a lot of people have been working from home, uh, remote workers, and now they're asked to go back to work, uh, either part-time or full-time. And that's difficult for a lot of folks because they're just not comfortable yet to associate. Not only are they worried about maybe getting sick with COVID or something, but they're just uh, uncomfortable getting into large conference rooms and dealing with a lot of events where they have to talk to people. It's same the same thing we're talking about, but now, you know, they're coming away from that situation from being at home and going back into the arena. So that's a big social change for them, and that's an adjustment as well. How do they deal with it? 
Yeah, so that's such an interesting question because a lot of companies are, you know, calling everybody back to the office. Yep. And sometimes it can actually help to just do what we call in psychology opposite action. So if you feel tempted to just totally isolate, you might just say, I'm going to do the opposite of this. I'm going to, you know, remember who are the five people that we used to always go out for happy hour or lunch or whatever. And I'm just going to do a group email and say, hey, everybody, we have to all be back at the office. What do you say we, you know, take the plunge and, you know, meet up for that happy hour or that lunch Good. time? Good idea. And sometimes we just through that, what we call behavioral activation, we can just get right back into it. Hmm. Um, another thing that can be helpful, as I mentioned a moment ago about allies, allies are so important so that you don't feel alone. So even if you have just one friend that used to be your office buddy, right. you can text that person and say, hey, would you want to take like a little walk with me at lunchtime? Mm. It would just be nice to have a little social moment during this workday. And then through baby steps, you can start reintegrating. Good idea. I like the way you think that way. Yeah. Um, I'm going to move from that office situation to something else. And I, I know you're interested in this and it does affect a lot of people, certainly uh, people that are listening to us today, I'm sure. Social anxiety and dating relationships. And how how has that affected, uh, you know, things after the pandemic? What happened during the pandemic and now getting back into that dating arena, that dating atmosphere and dating relationships? Talk about that a little bit. Very interesting area. Yes, Ernie, you're so right. I mean, of all the things of the areas of life, I think dating was one of the hardest because that's really something that we have to kind of do in person, yeah, right? right, right. So it was very hard for people that were single during the pandemic, yep. especially young people, because with young people, you know, they were still trying to figure out how to do those things in the first place. There's a little bit of a learning window. And then when they were sidelined during that time, right. I think it was difficult. And, you know, even before the pandemic, everybody was trying to get young people off their phones. Yeah. <laughs> and then this just, you know, kind of doubled down on it. Wow. So, so for young people especially, I just think it's really important to, you know, first of all, normalize that it will feel a little bit awkward at first. But the important thing, and this comes from cognitive behavioral therapy, is that when something happens, the way that we make sense of it is very important. So if you are feeling awkward about being out on a physical date with someone, right? If you interpret that to mean, okay, well, that means dating is awkward and I shouldn't do it, that's where you can go wrong. Instead, you could interpret it as saying, well, of course it feels awkward. I haven't done this in a while. Right. I probably need to go on four or five first dates before mm. this will feel normal. So the, the fact that it feels awkward shouldn't be a signal to mm -hmm. stop doing it is yeah. the main point. <laughs> yeah, 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 because that really uh, impacted on a lot of relationships and, uh, and it's difficult getting back to that. And, and you know, uh, talking about children as well, many of them, you know, were frightened. Uh, they were they were listening to the news or they were talking to their parents about social contact. And, and now they have to get back into being with their friends and communicating again. So it impacts, you know, uh, young children as well. Talk about that. You're so right, Ernie, because I do think it was very hard for young children because their imaginations, you know, can run wild. Mm. So I, I think it is really important for parents to make sure that they get their kids back together and 
you know, I think as well when it comes to wearing masks, which I know everyone has different feelings about and people have to follow their doctor's advice if there's a certain medical situation. Mm -hmm. But I would, uh, you know, outside of extenuating circumstances, um, I would encourage parents to unmask their children, even if the child says that they feel more comfortable with it, because for the same reason that if your child says that they feel more comfortable sitting in their bedroom eating Snickers bars all day, you would say, well, Junior, (laughs) that might be how you feel, but it's really better for you to get out there and not do that. And our faces are such an important way that we connect with people. We exchange social smiles and we, you know, read each other's lips. It's one of the ways that children pay attention and notice what you're saying. So I would encourage them to try to just say, you know what, Junior, we're just going to go without that mask, even just for one afternoon, just to see how they feel with it. And then also make sure that you give them some activities to do. Mm. And this goes for the, um, you know, adults who are trying to get back into dating as well. But when we have an activity to do, then we don't have time to be nervous as much because we get more involved in what we're doing. Exactly. Um, You know, long before we had the pandemic, people uh, had a difficult time communicating anyway. You know this. Everyone's been on the telephone. Uh, Not a lot of real face-to-face time. And, And that affects social anxiety because we're still, you know, used to the idea of doing everything online and not being in the physical presence of somebody. Now, that's another social anxiety issue that I know you deal with, and I know that you, you follow what's going on. So what are we going to do about that? How, how can we improve on that? How can we make changes within ourselves so that we're more comfortable getting back? Because, in fact, a lot of organizations have lost members. You know this. They don't join anymore. People don't go to clubs anymore. Uh, they don't belong to the different organizations that used to be flourishing, whether it was the Boy Scouts or with the you know, Kiwanis clubs and things like that. Now people are saying, I don't want to be involved because I can do it all on my telephone or on my iPad, right? It's true. It's true. But I mean, as you're getting at it, it's, it's not the same, right? It, we're, we're human beings. We're essentially tribal animals to a certain degree. We're, we're made to be in community. So, you know, if you're thinking Thinking of, of wanting to recreate some of those community situations, or if you know you do host a Kiwanis Club or whatever it is, um, I would encourage you first of all to bring out the name tags. That's mm. one of the biggest you know sources of anxiety for people that are coming into groups. Oh, yeah. Is they feel terrible. They've asked someone their name five times and then they're forgetting again. <laughs> and learning people's names is one of the easiest ways to form connections. Name tags. Yeah. Definitely bring out the name tags. And I would encourage you to have lots and lots of icebreaker activities again because when people are just in a room together and they feel like this pressure to connect and to make small talk and it's been a while, then they can just get a little overwhelmingly nervous. But if you get them icebreaker activities like find five people in this room that have been to Alaska or, you know, those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. It gives people a little something to do. And if you can even give yourself icebreaker activities, if you go to a place and, you know, they haven't provided some kind of formal activity, you can say to yourself, you know, I want to meet three people Mm -hmm. that also have children, or I'm going to make five new friends today or get five new people's business cards or whatever it is. And sometimes when we have just that Mm -hmm. little practical behavioral goal, it 
takes away all that interpersonal pressure. Exactly. Now, tell me, do you think this technology thing is going to get better? Are we going to improve on this? Or is it going to get worse? Are we going to get to the point now we're talking about artificial intelligence? Uh, we're getting more distance, uh, you know, between people and between human beings. Where is that all going to go? People worry about that, and, they, and I think they have good reason for it. Right. But you know what, Ernie? To me, the good news is, is the fact that people do worry about it shows that they do have an awareness that actual in-person connectivity and community Mm. are important, right? So um, I would just encourage people to even use technology as a way to get together. For example, uh, you can go to, say, meetup.org, and there's all kinds of, you know, you can be interested in birdwatching, stamp Mm. collecting new bars, whatever. There's a meetup for you. Also for women, this is really neat. Um, There's a dating app. It's called Bumble, which is it's for romantic dating. But Bumble has now launched a new area that's just for women to make friends. So it's like Bumble for dating. So you can put up your, your friendship profile and then just meet other women. So technology can be a barrier if it becomes a substitute for in-person uh, connection, but it can also be used as a way to suddenly get out of just your own little box mm-hmm. and start meeting people that you might not have met before. I like that a lot. That's very good. Now, you know, I've been doing all the, the, the questions here, okay? I've been asking you a lot of things. And so I like to reverse it once in a while, okay? Do you have any other questions for me? I know you're talking to me about, uh, you know, how I, I, I interview people and I gave you my secret, but do you have any more questions yes. for me, Chloe? Huh? Yes. Thank you so much, Ernie, for the chance to ask you about that, because I think connecting with people is one of the things, you know, that you're really known for. So, I mean, you have to be on camera, you Mm. have to be out there, you have to be on. And Mm. I'm just wondering, you must have days where you say, gosh, I just feel like being at my PJs and being alone and just you know, relaxing in my yeah. own little, you know, hidey hole today. And I do it. <laughs> How do you get yourself out of that when you have to get out there and connect with people? Uh, you know what? I, I think, uh, be honest with you, I feel a sense of purpose in my life. I've always had that feeling. And I've always believed that, you know, what I do is a gift. And I'm very grateful. I have a spiritual attitude about life. I believe that there is one creator of everything. And, uh, and I'm loyal to that thought. And I really believe in it. So many times, you know, I get up and I say, okay, I have another opportunity today to go out there and do what I do best, the gift that I was given. Uh, I think Irma Bombeck had a wonderful quote. She said, when I die and I face God, I'm going to say, I don't have any talent left. I used everything you gave me. And I feel that way. And that keeps me going all the time. It's a good spirit to have. And there are days, yeah, I'm a human being. You know, there are days when I say, oh, you know, I'm tired today. I had a long day yesterday. And I will have the opportunity sometimes to just hang out. You know, don't shave, you know, put on my jeans, go out there, take a walk, play in the garden, do whatever I need to do. And, and I think that that gives me kind of a, a renewal. But for the most part, to answer your question, I think it's having a sense of purpose in life and believing that you're here for a reason. And that's what keeps me going. Right. So when you get up and you do yeah. have to go to, say, like a, a big reception mm-hmm. or something, and you know it's an opportunity, yeah. but at the same time, you're having that just yearning to just, you know, kind of right. ha- have a have a couch day. <laughs> yeah. um, you just think about your sense of purpose. Is that what you're saying? I do. I'll, I'll just slap myself in the face in the mirror and just say, showtime. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. I love it, Ernie. I love it. <laughs> I got to go out there. 
Yeah. One more question then. So when you do, you know, know that you have a big packed social day and, yes. and, and multi-days and you know that you're going to need, you know, just some downtime and recovery time. Mm-hmm. What are some of your favorite ways to do that? You know what? I've always been a homebody. Always. My family will tell you that. I enjoy being around the house. And many times I'll do several things. Uh, this is going to sound really silly, but it's the truth. I love, love to go to the supermarket. I will make a list. My wife will give me a list and I'll, you know, I'll put my own down and I'll go to the market and walk through and I just pick up things, put them, you know, and walk around and so forth. And I'll talk to people, but I love the market. It's very relaxing. I love to play golf. Okay. So you actually kind of nudged on one of the other questions I had there. So when you go to the supermarket for that, do you wear headphones or do you do you just no. keep your ears open? Oh, absolutely. I want to hear what's going on. And many times as I'm walking down the aisle, there are some people who will recognize me and they'll say hi. We don't get into long conversations, but it's, hello, how are you? Nice to see you. But I love to walk through the aisles and just, you know, observe what's going on. I, I don't want to get caught up with all the technical stuff, you know, having earphones and, and listening to music and so forth. Because you can do that if you're taking a walk and you feel like listening to music. But if I'm experiencing something like, let's say, food shopping, I enjoy that. I I will also come home many times and uh, do dishes. Sometimes I'll I'll just, you know, find a few dishes and I'll just wash them and clean them. I guess I remember my dad doing that. My dad was a very neat person. So so was my mom. So that's a habit that I have. But I'll putter around the house. I'll go out in the garden and I might do a little trimming out there or do a little raking. I enjoy that. I also do other things. I play golf. It's a great day to go out on the golf course. I love to ride horses. I'll go out and ride mm. for a while, uh, ride a bike, and I also love to walk. So those things are a lot of fun for me, but I think uh, finding out inside what makes you feel good is a very important lesson in life. If you know what makes you feel good, you got to practice sure. it. you got to practice it. And I have to ask then, too, yeah. since you mentioned several different, um, like, leisure activities. Yes. Do you work out, Ernie? Because I don't know how you do it. You always seem to just have <laughs> this, like, very energetic, vivacious uh, presence. Do you go to the gym? You know what? I, I used to. A long time ago, I used to go to the gym, but I don't do it now. What happened was that many times when I was out there at the gym, people would want to talk. And I, and mm-hmm. I love to talk. That's the problem. And... and <laughs> And I'll get into conversations, and then I don't work out. I'll say, why, why am I here? So I found out that I'm better off at home. You know, I'll ride a stationary bike, do a little light la- uh, weightlifting, uh, and do some aerobic exercises. And that gives me what I need. But I'm careful about diet. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be a show-off here, but I, I, I don't smoke. I don't drink. Uh, I, I, I don't even drink coffee. And I certainly have never done drugs. So I've always been very careful about all of these things. Um, and I think that's what keeps me uh, healthy. And then jeans and, and then the blessing, you know, the blessing up above. You know, I say, let me, let me keep going for as long as you want me to do this, Lord. Okay, that, that's my, my mantra. Definitely. Well, I love the the spiritual connection too. As a psychologist, mm-hmm. I can share that a lot of studies have shown that it, it doesn't even actually matter what the religion is, but that people who have some kind of religious or spiritual belief, it's actually a real protective factor for them yeah. and helps them to get through challenges. It so um, I'm glad that you have that. And if listeners, you know, like I said, it could be could be a traditional religion or it could yeah. be 
be meditation or just time with nature. Yes. But finding that spiritual connection can help with with a lot of different anxieties. Uh, I think it makes a big difference. Finding, you know, your, your sense of purpose in life, knowing where you came from, why you're here, and where you're going. Uh, you have been a terrific guest, Chloe. I mean, people, you know, love listening to you because when you've been on the air with us, I always get great comments. Bring her back, Dr. Chloe Carmichael. And you're terrific. Congratulations on Nervous Energy, a successful book, and all the good things that you're doing. I hope you'll come back. Will you do that soon? Of course, Ernie, anytime. All right. Well, you, I thank you so much. You, you gave us a lot of good positive ideas and good information today and the way we should live our life. Thank you, Chloe. And I want to thank everybody else for being part of our program. Uh, Positively, Ernie is a show that we really love to do every day on 77 WABC. And this program extra is very special. I hope you'll be joining us all the time. Wishing you all good things. And like the song goes, remember, you were born to be alive. See you next time. <laughs>